Uh, we will read it again as we're sent out at the end here. But I just want to read for you again the Great Commission from our Lord Jesus. He says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And this is how you do that. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you remember when we talked about this um, a few weeks ago now, I guess, um, we laid out at least three things that are expected if you are to belong to this church that Jesus is building. Um, and we took our cues from the Great Commission, um, that if, if, if this is the task the church has been given to go and make disciples of all nations, and the three things they've been told to do are to baptize, uh, to instruct, and to include is, is the word we used. And that one's a little bit harder to find, but it's essentially the idea that you're to, we're to teach people everything that Jesus has commanded us. So there's a sense in which we are, you can't do that in one day, I promise. Um, in fact, it takes a lifetime to do that kind of stuff. And, and the fact that we're teaching things that have been taught to us means that we're drawing people into the things that we are learning to do ourselves. And so this is what we take as the expectations of the church. And in the sense that we want to belong to that church, the, the key to belonging is surrendering to those things, that we are saved, that we are instructable, um, and that we're willing to be included. Um, and there's a lot of different things we could flesh out with that, but this, um, I'm just tracing a little bit of the need for what we're going to do today, which is to describe something of what, who this church is, what we're about, um, what some of our convictions are, um, because I think that this relates to, this relates to the um, willingness to be included. If, if you're to belong to a family, um, if you're to belong to any, any organization of any kind where you might call yourself a member, um, there's a sense that you want to know what you're attaching yourself to, um, and uh, one of our responsibilities, if we're going to practice sort of this inclusion side of the church, um, is to not be divisive. I think this is what, when Paul comes in and starts giving all these instructions to um, churches that have divided up and are, are arguing and bickering, he's, he's calling for a kind of unity. And how do you be united around something that's not been made clear? And so we, we set up this idea of, you've heard me talk about this low bar membership. Like it, it really doesn't take a lot to be a member at BGC. You just got to be saved, um, and then you've got to come humbly, willing to learn and to listen and to be instructed and to participate in that instruction yourself. Um, and then to practice unity, you just need to know what we're about and be willing to like say, yeah, that sounds cool, I'm in. Um, it doesn't even mean, and as we go through this, it doesn't mean um, that we have to share the, every single detail and every single um, uh, 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 amount of conviction around every single idea. It's not that we have to agree on, on as many specific small details as we can, but we do need to agree on the broader idea of what this is and why we're doing it. Um, we do need to share in some convictions. So I just want to point you to 1 Corinthians um, chapter 1, verse 10. Now he, he's going to launch into a, a, a sharp rebuke of the kinds of division that have arisen in uh, the church in Corinth. Um, but he lays it out this way first in verse 10. He says, now I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree in what you say, that there be no divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. So there is a sense in which what we're going to do today is we're just going to try to lay out what some of those convictions are. And, and to the extent that this is part of a process that would um, invite you into to 
to acknowledge, nodding your head and saying, yes, I want to be a member at BGC. Um, this is all we're doing is we're laying it all out. We're not saying you need to, um, you need to share the same amount of conviction around every point. Um, there's there's uh, opportunity to have uh, diversity of approaches and emphasis and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but to the extent that we're just laying out a really simple, basic foundation for what this is, uh, we think that you should be clear on that so that when you say, yeah, I'm in, you know what you're saying, you're in too. This is what we're gonna do. Um, I'm gonna walk through um, this document, I guess you could say, uh, that you have in your hand. Um, I think the beautiful thing about this is that a lot of it, for anybody that's been here longer than, I don't know, hopefully six months or a year, um, a lot of this will sound familiar because this is not, these aren't new things. We're just saying, here's what we've been about. Some of the things that we've been saying from day one, some things have um, grown out of what we've been able to do together over the last couple of years. We know that you cannot truly get to know anybody or any church from a document, but we believe that the ability to practice unity begins by being clear about who we are and what we're about, and then nodding to each other to say, let's do this. So if you're exploring or considering membership with BGC, uh, this document outlines the simple things that we believe you should know about before committing to this family. Um, this doesn't encapsulate everything that we're about, um, and it certainly doesn't let you get to know any of the people that make up BGC, which is primarily what BGC is, is the people that God, that God has gathered here. Um, but we are also, we constantly wanna circle the wagons uh, around the same convictions. Um, and hopefully you'll see, this is rather simple. So just a bit of our history. So Jesse and I, we um, uh, started in ministry back in 2016 and really quickly uh, felt the Lord leading us uh, towards this idea of planting a church, which this started down in, when we were in California, probably around 2017-ish uh, or 18. Um, and uh, in the process of working out what that looks like and how we do that, it was pretty clear that God was moving us. And, and, and when we Ask the question, if you ask other church planners, how did you decide what city you were gonna plant in? Um, I am free, happy to admit that it wasn't a very spiritual process for us. We just decided what's the city that we know the most and that we love the most. Um, and Boise was an easy choice for us. I think along the way, we were willing for God to direct us other places. We spent a couple years in Portland. It, was, it would've been very easy for God to burden us specifically with that place. Um, and he did in certain ways, but he didn't enough to take us off the path from coming to Boise. So eventually we made our way uh, up to Portland for a couple years for seminary and then ultimately to Boise uh, in the summer of 2020. We just started, I would say not very carefully, but just sort of naturally uh, got together with um, s several of you guys here already uh, just to pray in our garage and just see what it was that God was doing and, and, and what we should be doing next. And that sort of rolled into doing worship together um, pretty quickly. Um, I'm just going to say here, uh, we stumble started. That's, that's a, a term that's used on our website, and I've written it here, um, and I've even indicated that is a story, a beautiful story, um, not always easy story, but a beautiful story that we're um, happy to talk about when there's more time. If you ever want to know that story, if you haven't heard it yet, um, you can just ask. Uh, but otherwise, um, after some stumbles and some pullbacks and some burnouts and different things like that, um, God has just been growing us together as a family ever since then. So BGC is led uh, by myself, uh, obviously with Jesse's help, she's been really instrumental in that as well. Um, and then I just wanna point out, Life, Andrew, and Sydney all serve on a leadership team uh, that meets right now every other week. Um, and they've been really helpful in just helping 
flesh out ideas, providing feedback, prayer, support, um, all the things that are needed um, to work a lot of these things out. If you, ever, yeah, if you ever get a chance, just thank them. I know that you don't see a lot of the things that they do, um, uh, but they're really important to this, to this church. Um, I do want to acknowledge that consistent with Titus, um, Paul says, uh, writes to Titus and says, I've sent you to, this, uh, to the island of Crete to appoint elders in all the churches there. And what you have then just from that sentence is the fact that churches existed in Crete that Paul is willing to acknowledge, but they existed without elders. And so I think the whole New Testament um, points to the idea that it is ideal, in fact, necessary for churches to have elders who are appointed and acknowledged and serve in a, in a, in a very specific role in the church, um, but that Paul is willing to acknowledge that there was these things called churches that needed elders and didn't have elders. Um, we are one of those churches. We're, we are one of those infant churches that um, doesn't have yet appointed, officially acknowledged um, elders. It's something we know we need. That's something that we are hopeful will grow out of our leadership team and other things. Um, and we could talk about more of that later, but I'm just willing to acknowledge that this is what it is to be a church plant, is we're like little infants uh, with, that need leaders. Um, our identity. So we've broken this into our name uh, and our core values. Um, our name, you could argue, is uh, unimaginative and maybe a little uncreative. That's okay. It is very intentional and, and intentionally simple um, because we've said this a few times now, we are a church. We're unashamedly a church. We're not trying to avoid that term. We're not necessarily like a fellowship or a collective or something else. We're a church. We are a New Testament spirit-filled missionary family with members and leaders and worship and sacraments and history and liturgy and a mission and a message, all of those things. So we are a church. And we are about the gospel, filled with the gospel, um, uh, uh, formed by the gospel, sent by the gospel, sent with the gospel. The gospel is about everything that we want to be about. Um, and we are for our city. We're eager to know and identify with the people that we've been sent to. And I think that means, in part, taking on their name, acknowledging that this is where we are and where we want to be. We are a Boise church. And to the extent that we are able to multiply someday, which I hope to pray that would be the case, if we plant a church somewhere else, that church will be Cuna Gospel Church or Nampa Gospel Church. It'll identify with the place that it is in as well. Um, and so those are all very particular things that we care about. We are a church about the gospel for our city. Our core values, I'm not going to run through all of them because um, we're doing that right now in our series. Um, but these are the things that we um, want to commit ourselves to always. We want to turn this language over and over and over uh, in our culture and in our interactions with each other and our teaching and our discipleship, uh, in part because we want to make sure that our name actually is accurate and means something, right? We want to always actually be about our city on mission in our city with the gospel, uh, formed, filled, sent by the gospel. Um, and we want to be a church, a real church, real healthy church. And so our core values kind of keep us on track the core values. As long as we commit to those, we feel like that will help us keep the gospel in the center of everything we do. Um, and ensure that our name actually means something and isn't just a, a brand, a really uncreative brand name. Uh, so our, our, our values are the cross, which I've said before is the central um, value. Uh, it's in all of the other values in the middle of everything else we do. Uh, the family of God, which is what we want to be. Boise, which is where we've been sent. Beyond Boise, which is how we understand what Boise is, 
Boise is a small part that we play in a larger mission to reach, uh, to make disciples of, of all nations. And so actually, we'll talk about this, but our, our strategy, our understanding of what it means to be a church in Boise actually informs the way that we can partner with churches and pastors and missions agencies, whatever it is, to reach other nations. We don't go and do things in those places that have no correlation to what we want to do and, and what we're about here in our city. So um, those are somewhat related. Um, and then simplicity. I'm glad we'll be able to talk about that in a few weeks. Um, but it's more of a philosophy of ministry. And I'll, you'll probably see, hopefully, as we go along here, uh, how, that, how that fleshes out. All right. Uh, our theology. We believe that our theology forms our identity and our mission. That's actually a really important statement. Our theology is what ultimately sends us. Our theology actually is what forms us and makes us who we are. What we think about God, what we think about ourselves, and what we think about the world that he's created will, whether we want to or not, will inform the way in which we care for and love people and the way in which we understand and look at each other and relate to each other. Um, and so all of those things can be wound back to our theology. And so in a sense, we want to we be um, a very... Uh, missional, outward church. We want to be very invitational with um, bringing people in and loving people well and, and gospeling each other and outsiders really well. But we want to be a deeply theological church as well too. We want to be a church that doesn't just do things because they seem strategic or, or, or even because it's what everyone else has always done. Uh, we're not looking for new, unique expressions of the church or anything like that. But we want to be thoughtful and, and to the extent that we know and believe that ultimately our theology um, forms who we are and what we do. Um, we always want to circle back and make sure that we understand God well and know him well and know ultimately ourselves and the world that he's created. So we, are, we want to be a theological church. I just broke this into two, um, two sections. One is uh, the faith. Um, if you were to read in Jude 3, he says, um, Dear friends, although I was eager to Although I was eager to write you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. That's a really, really wild statement if we really think about it. That we're holding a faith that began with the apostles and has been passed down and that, that God has preserved and kept for us. And that's a beautiful thing to think. And so, in a sense, we're not, again trying to come up with sort of unique expressions of our theology. We're not trying to say, well, here's the BGC way of believing things about God. We're happy to take uh, statements of faith that have, are, are, are vanilla, for lack of a better word, have been the same for everybody for a long time. Um, we'll even say before we, before we articulate our statement of faith, uh, we are, we're glad to adhere to the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. We haven't actually, we haven't introduced that very much into our services, and I think we will soon. Um, but these are creeds and expressions of faith that, that were written hundreds and hundreds of years ago um, and have held up, and they ultimately just give us a picture of what the orthodox, true faith that was given to the apostles, what, what that looks like. And then our statement of faith is just sort of like the simplified, a uh, little bit more contemporary language way of expressing most of those things anyways. And so um, I would encourage you, I'm not going to read through all of them, I just encourage you to, um, to read them, to look at them. That is essentially central to, to who we are, um, what we believe about God and the world he's created uh, and, the, and the people that populate that world um, and how ultimately he is determined to save them. We don't really have anything if we don't have that central claim 
that faith that we hold to. And, and I just, again, push us back to acknowledging that that faith is not something that we've sat around and said, here's, here's what we want to believe about God. Here's what we want to believe about Jesus. Um, we want to take the things that have been handed down um, with, with humility. I think there's, there's something really profound about that that I won't try to tease out right now. Something really profound about handling a faith that was given to the apostles and somehow, by God's grace, we believe, has been preserved and kept, and we can hold it here and claim it here. I think that's, that's a really cool thing. Um, so what that has led to um, is it leads to the second piece, which is um, just various convictions that we hold. Now, um, these aren't the same as our statement of faith, and they're not even the same as our core values in that way. Um, but we, we do believe that the Bible is clear enough on certain things that we want to we want to put our feet on the ground in some things. It doesn't mean that we believe if you don't agree with these things that you aren't saved. This would be one of those things if, in understanding what it means to be a member of this church, um, it'd be good for you to know that this is sort of how we've chosen to operate as a church. Um, you don't have to agree with every single thing to, to be a member. Um, in fact, that would be a good example of practice, practicing unity. We don't, need the, we don't need the command, actually, to practice unity if we already agree on everything. I think that need for unity and to um, avoid division comes up when we are able to acknowledge that there's things that we just might not totally agree with all in the same time. And the ability just to enter in and say, like, that's all right. I don't, you know, I don't agree with, with this or that, but I can still be a member here. I can still worship people with Jesus. We all claim the same gospel, all of those things. So, but these are, um, uh, some of them are somewhat distinctive. This is, list has grown a little bit. Um, so if you like read our website a year ago, you might want to go back through it. Um, uh, this is, there's no process for like how things make it on this list or, or off this list. Um, but they are, and I'll try to just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to unpack all of them. There's longer descriptions, more detailed descriptions of them uh, on the website that you can read. Um, but just the idea of being gospel centered, um, that's a hopeful distinctive that we don't claim the gospel just because we want to be a certain kind of church. We think that the gospel actually is the power of God that transforms us, makes us one, and, and is the power that can transform and renew and reconcile our city and the places that we live. Um, so so we, we claim that as a, as a real power, a hopeful power uh, in our church. Um, to be reformational just means that we, we hold to the historic uh, solas, the five solas of the Reformation. Um, what that will probably mean is that in our teaching and our discipleship, we will always want to skew towards real grace. We want grace to always be real grace. Um, that means a lot of things that we could talk about for a long time, um, but it also, it necessarily means we have, to, um, we have to highlight God's goodness and sovereignty in all things. And so we will always, if you're wondering where that is and how that teaches, we'll always skew that way. Being prayerful, I, I remember back, um, um, Ignacio came and preached for us, and he'd really challenged us when Jesus came in and threw over the tables of the money changers. And he said basically that the house of God was meant to be a, a place of prayer. Do people, when they interact with your church, know your church to be a place where prayer is happening and where they can receive prayer? And that was really challenging. It still is challenging to me. And it's something that I think one of the ones that added, like after he preached, like, okay, here's something we need to make sure gets in early on, that we want to be a church that is prayerful. Generosity. This is just our, our understanding of grace compels us, I think, to live a life of generosity. Um, family membership, which is what we're working on right now. Uh, we want to be elder-led. Again, I said we're an infant church that is not specifically or technically elder-led at the moment, but that is a conviction that we hold and we want to get to it. 
Complementarity is an acknowledgement that God has made men and women different, distinct, and beautiful in their own way to serve in specific roles in the church and in the home. Uh, believer's baptism, this is just uh, as opposed to other forms of baptism. We believe that baptism is for those who've professed faith in Christ um, and have been converted. Spiritual gifts, if you're looking for a term, cautious continuationist. Um, it means that we believe that the spiritual gifts that have been, that were provided in the New Testament or that are, are outlined in the New Testament all exist, that there wasn't a time when those gifts stopped. And this is usually the case when we're talking about the more miraculous gifts like like miracles and healing and prophecy or speaking in tongues. Um, we, don't, we don't believe that scripture clearly states that those, those ended. Um, we could get into what it really does mean and what things like tongues and that kind of stuff are, but we, if we're going off of scripture, we have to be open and, avail, uh, open and willing to acknowledge the spirit can continue to work however he wants to work. Um, last one is multiplication. It's hard to feel all this early on in a church plant but ultimately we are about multiplying, multiplying disciples, multiplying small groups, multiplying leaders, multiplying churches. We want to multiply. We don't want to, it's not growth. We're not after growth and numbers and size and those kinds of things. We're about multiplying. So then the last piece that we will uh, talk about is, is culture. Um, there's a flow to all of these. Uh, Ultimately, our identity anchors us, our theology forms us, uh, and our culture is how we express those things or how we've chosen to express those things. And so um, this first sentence here says, we are habitual and cultural people. Okay, That's actually a statement that is true of everybody. People are, by nature, cultural. They adapt to cultures around them, and they form cultures. You can't put people together anywhere for any reason, no matter how different they are, and not see something cultural arise out of them. They will develop their own habits, their own traditions. They just do it. That's just what we are as people. And so knowing that we're that way, in a, in a, in a good way, like God, God has made us like that, that um, if we're not intentional, if we're not careful, that we will unknowingly be shaped by the world's habits and culture. In fact, that is far more the case, that our life and our, our habits and our understanding of even who we are and what's, what's important to us whether we know it or not, is shaped by and large by the things we interact with the most. As a church, we want to we know those things, not always fighting against them as if they're all evil, um, but to understand that as a church, as a family, we need to make sure that we're intentional about developing a culture that is informed by Christ and the, the purposes that he's given us and the, and the rhythms that he's, he's given us as well. So this first one is purpose and mission. Purpose being sort of like the understanding of why we exist, I think that's where that sentence starts. Why we exist, and then the mission being sort of like how we, what our commitment is to working out that existence. But the first one is we exist to know and proclaim Jesus Christ and Him crucified for God's glory and for Boise's good. So ultimately we exist for God's glory. That is the first thing that we've ever existed for, was to bring glory to God and to multiply His glory throughout the earth. And then specifically as a church that's on mission, we, are, we exist for Boise's good. We believe the surprising and beautiful truth that the church exists for the benefit of those who are not yet members. Uh, and then one of the way, the way we do that is really simple. Uh, we are not into to, to programs and clever strategies particularly. We simply, we aim to be the family of God 
following Jesus together and inviting others to join us. So we think it happens naturally when you know Jesus Christ, that you follow him. And, and then our evangelism, our, our, our reaching out to our neighbors and the community around us ultimately is an invitation to come and join us in what we're doing. Come and, come and see, right? Come with us and see Jesus. So we aim to be a family of God, following Jesus together and inviting others to join us. The pathway that we want to walk and what we want everyone to experience in some form as they come in, and this, is a, this might be a way of understanding how we, I don't know if it's technically a real verb in the dictionary, but it's a good, it'd be a good verb to learn and develop, is the idea of gospeling each other well, and gospeling people well as they come in. And what that looks like is ultimately that they come and see, they respond to an invitation as we've responded. So every time we arrive, we're coming to experience and see Jesus. Um, and then that experience with him, particularly the saving experience of Jesus, seeing him on the cross, understanding our sin and what he's doing there, and receiving that, believing in him, trusting him, experiencing the salvation of Jesus compels us to stay and to grow. It's not a, we're not, it's not a transient salvation where we come get our salvation, and then, and then leave to go on our way. Now that we come, we see Jesus, we experience him, that compels us to stay and, and really become the family of God uh, and start following Jesus together, growing together. So we come and see, we stay and grow, and then it's from that place of safety and stability in the house of God that we're sent out to invite others. And it comes full circle, because what we set, we're sent out to tell them is to come and see which is what we've ultimately done and responded to. So we just want to turn that pathway over in our life and in the lives of those uh, that we are reaching out to. And then the third one is, is pace and place. I'm not sure if that makes a lot of sense, but it's ultimately how is it that we want to work this out in the rhythms of our own life? Um, and not just the rhythms, but what venues? What, where is it that these things happen? Where do we see God working these rhythms out in our life? So there's a pace and there's also a place for it. And this is the really simple one would be Sundays and Wednesdays. So we, we gather corporately on Sundays. This is just like the early church did in, in Acts 2. Describes that they met together publicly in the temple to worship God. So we gather on Sundays for worship and teaching. And then Wednesdays, we gather on Wednesdays in smaller groups. Now, I'm, I'm, you're seeing something even in here, something of a preview of kind of where we're going, because right now we meet all together on Wednesdays. And we've talked about this, that ultimately we want that to begin to break up, uh, to, to move into homes at some point. And we're going to be patient with that. We're going to develop leaders. We're going to understand and talk a lot about what it is to, to be a group, even though we're all together and try to practice the smaller dynamic when we can and start working that out. So when we do go, that we're some unity and, and continuity between those groups when we do. Uh, but the idea is that they're going to go into different places. Now, this was a draft term, but I think this is going to be the real term. Essentially, these are going to be called parish groups. Um, and I'm not going to defend that in its entirety right now, but that's a very, um, it's a very local word. It's a, very, uh, a word that um, conjures up a lot of proximity and, and culture that is distinct to, to smaller communities. And so we're going to be thinking in those terms as we understand where it is God's calling us, where he wants us to gather uh, with people from the church. So that's ultimately where Wednesdays are and where Wednesdays are going. Um, so I just wanted to preview that a little bit because you've probably never heard us say parish groups, um, but that's ultimately where that's going. So we gather on Sundays and we gather on Wednesdays. Um, we gather on first Wednesdays to kind of break up the rhythm a little bit to provide opportunities for rest, especially when we move into homes. There's going to be people who are going to be hosting. People are going to be doing a lot of things, and we want to make sure that there's always... There's always a rest coming. 
that it's not necessarily you've got to grind out for a whole year and then be relieved when summer comes. You can just take a break for three months and not see each other anymore and not have to host. We want to build rest into our rhythm all the time uh, so that those who are hosting always know that first Wednesday is coming where they don't have to host. They don't have to actually bring any food. They don't have to hire babysitters. They don't have to watch kids. They can just come and be. And then the last one is one that we haven't talked about, so I'm going to talk about just for a little bit here, is ministry partnerships. So, so this is partly the place, when we're thinking about the venues with which we work out, how to, to, to be the family of God, to, to love people and gospel people well, where do we do that? We do it on Sundays, we do it on Wednesdays, and then we do it through ministry partnerships. And this is, comes a little bit out of um, our commitment to simplicity. As a church that is committed to simplicity, what we want to do is we just want to forge really strong, intentional partnerships with people and churches and organizations that are already doing the things that God's calling us to, to do and to help with. That is a simple expression of how we can be um, active in our community. In terms of the venues, um, the, the simple thing, we've said Sundays and Wednesdays, but the simple threefold place where we do these things is Sundays, Wednesdays, and ministry partnerships. We gather on Sundays, we love each other well and live life together on Wednesdays, and we partner well. Uh, last one, um, ultimately we need elders to provide us with our, kind of our in-house primary biblical accountability. Um, but there are other, there are kinds of relational accountability that we do already have. Um, one, we belong to Harbor Network, which is a, a network of churches that are around the country um, they help uh, develop churches and church leaders particularly, uh, making sure that they are healthy and thriving um, and, and have the things that they need. And they've been really valuable to us. If you haven't, you should go to their website and follow all their stuff. They, they have a lot of resources that have been really helpful. Two, there's actually a, lo a local uh, company of pastors that gathers, uh, and that is very relational. There's, nothing, there's no written documents or anything like that binding us together. Um, but they provide a really, they're a really helpful resource and check on myself and us personally um, as leaders and pastors. So we're appreciative of them. Um, I work for an organization called Church Partnership Evangelism. Um, it would be good to get to know them in part because the vision for planting a church kind of grew out of the things that we were learning and doing with CPE and are still doing. Uh, but essentially it's a, an evangelism discipleship organization. And, and so a lot of our commitments, a lot of the simple relational, uh, intercessional, evangelistic way in which we approach um, church and how a lot of these things have formed have grown out of that, um, that organization there. So, um, and then number four is Door of Hope, which is our church in Portland. They have uh, sent us, they support us. I interact with the pastor there regularly just to provide checks and um, check and see how we're doing and that kind of stuff. But they've been really uh, vital to this church as well. Next steps, uh, some of this is being fleshed out. Since we've never done this before, we're just working out a good process that would be clear for all of us. Um, but there will be a, a form of some kind that I'll send out and give you access to. I'll make this um, document available on, through email or something like that as well. Um, there, there will be another document that just articulates what membership is, why we practice it, and it will articulate probably some of the, the commitments that you're making when you say, yeah, let's do this. And then it'll just be, a, then we'll have a conversation myself. I might, some of the other guys might get looped into that as well. We'll talk about it. It's essentially just making sure you're saved and making sure you understand everything and are good with it, you know? Um, and, and once we do that, there'll be a moment, I'm not sure how we'll practice this, if there's a lot of us all together, if we kind of trickle in, but there'll just be a moment where you stand up and we just 
we acknowledge and you commit to us and we receive you as a family and, um, and celebrate that, uh, that moment. And then after that, it's just, just be, just belong, connect. There's some ideas for how, how that will happen. Just make sure you sign up for emails and save phone numbers so that you're getting communication, that you're present as much as you can be on Sundays and Wednesdays, uh, that you know others and you make yourself available to be known by others, uh, that you begin to give and serve in some way, uh, and that you invite someone to church. There's probably a bunch of other stuff too, um, but we'll just start working that out uh, over the next week or two. Uh, but let me pray, and we'll sing one more song and, and go out. God, we thank you first and foremost for who you are, who you have been from all eternity, um, and who you have been to us in saving us. Thank you for coming and identifying with us, taking our sin, nailing it to the cross, rising again so that we could celebrate your death through your resurrection, uh, that that could be the thing that's at the center of everything we are. I pray that as we talk about this today, that you would uh, be clear to us how we can live well as the family of God, that we can follow you together uh, with, with clarity and understanding and simplicity, with sacrifice, uh, that you would be all to us. Uh, and that because you are all to each of us, that we would naturally then be drawn together um, as that family. We, we love you and we just thank you for all the things you're doing through this church. And we praise you in advance for all the things that you will do in and through us and through this church uh, in the years to come. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.